This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Today we're going to be studying in Daniel chapter 4, and the theme of this chapter is learning humility the hard way. In our world today, one of the greatest problems, if not the greatest problem that faces mankind is foolish human pride. We see so many people out there who are willing to do anything in order to maintain their pride. Whenever you see a football, basketball, or baseball player interviewed, you see their pride showing through. We can see in ourselves times when our pride would not allow us to do something that needed to be done or cause us to do something that should not be done. I want to look at several verses here concerning pride before we get into Daniel chapter 4. First of all, turn to Psalm 10 and we're going to read verse 4. Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. The American Standard Version renders the last part of that verse, all his thoughts are, there is no God. So the pride of people. In Proverbs chapter 6, look at verses 16 and 17. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. It reads, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look is the first one that is mentioned. In Proverbs chapter 11, look at verse 2. Proverbs 11, 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame but with the lowly is wisdom. Pride will cause us to be shamed. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. Pride will destroy us. In chapter 29 of Proverbs now, verse 23. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the honor in, oh, excuse me, the humble in spirit. So pride will bring us down. In Mark chapter 7 now, look at verses 21 through 23. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus, begin in verse 20. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. We see the list of things here that pride is associated with. 
pride defiles us. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So pride does not come from God. In Daniel chapter 4, we're going to see three events in the life of Nebuchadnezzar that shows God's attitude toward man's pride. First of all, we're going to see God warning Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we find here it is interesting that Nebuchadnezzar praises God. Daniel 4, 1 through 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. So we find it interesting here that Nebuchadnezzar is the one who is making this address. Nebuchadnezzar is going to relate some things that happened to him that caused him to lose his pride and to come to God. And God is greatly praised by Nebuchadnezzar in these verses. Verse 2 there, the great signs and wonders that God has done. And then he understood that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom in his dominion from generation to generation. God's rule never stops. But Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. We'll see there in verses 4 through 7. Daniel 4, 4 through 7. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I made a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Verse 7. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. See, Nebuchadnezzar did it differently than this time than he did back in chapter 2 of Daniel whenever he saw the image, the great image with the golden head and the chest and arms of silver and you know his midsection of brass and his legs of iron mixed and his feet mixed with miry clay. There he would not even tell them the dream. Here he did tell them the dream and they could not give him an interpretation of it. According to Matthew Henry, Nebuchadnezzar had just lately conquered Egypt 
and with this victory he ended his wars in about the 34th or 35th year of his reign. We want to go to Ezekiel chapter 29 and look at verses 17 through 20. Ezekiel chapter 29 verses 17 through 20. It says, It came to pass in the seven and twentieth year, in the first month, and the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and again, this time frame is going to be 27 years from the time that King Jehoiachin was taken captive, or back in 597. So we're looking here at around 570 B.C. Verse 18. Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, caused his army to serve a great service against Tyrus. Every head was made bald, and every shoulder was peeled. Yet he had no wages, nor his army for Tyrus, for the service that he had served against it. In these verses, we see that Nebuchadnezzar had gone to the city of Tyre, and that he had sieged the city of Tyre and that every head was made bald there is probably in reference to them wearing their helmets for the battle and for the siege and it rubbing the hair off. Every shoulder was peeled whenever they would be carrying things for the battle and, and conquering and in siege of the city. But, he says, yet he had no wages nor his army for Tyrus. You may recall from history that whenever Nebuchadnezzar conquered the mainland city of Tyre, the inhabitants had moved themselves and everything from that main city to the island city of Tyre where Nebuchadnezzar could not get to them. So he did not receive any spoil for the victory that he had won there at Tyre. So in verse 19, therefore, or because of you know, Nebuchadnezzar didn't receive any wages for his service. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will give the land of Egypt unto Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And he shall take her multitude, and take her spoil, and take her prey. And it shall be the wages for his army. I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, wherewith he served against it, because they wrought for me, or they worked for me, saith the Lord God. So Nebuchadnezzar was given the land of Egypt and the spoils of Egypt for what he had done for God there at the city of Tyre. And we notice here that Nebuchadnezzar, back in Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, he says he was at rest in his house. He was in peace and he was in security. But nobody could tell him what his dream, what the interpretation of his dream was. Well, in, in Daniel chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, we read there, Daniel 4, 8 and 9, But at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. 
Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. So Nebuchadnezzar here is seeing Daniel, and Daniel was the one that was able to tell him his dream back in Daniel chapter 2 and the interpretation of the dream. So Daniel could do these things because of God. God is the one who made these things known to Daniel. And in verses 10 through 18, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel his dream. Verses 10 through 18 of Daniel chapter 4. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. And the tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. Verse 13. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Verse 16. Let his heart be changed from a man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. The, verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, Declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation. But thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. So Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel of this dream. And we'll see that the purpose of everything that is going to happen here the purpose of the fulfillment of the dream is found in verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Whenever we look in our government today, and we know from Romans chapter 13 that we must obey the government. 
We must obey the laws if the laws of the land do not contradict the laws of God. We must be obedient. So here we see that God is in control, and God is still in control. And God will set up over nations whom he sets up. And those nations, as we see from the past, they have been destroyed. Whenever you look at the Egyptian Empire, you look at the Babylonian Empire here, the Medo-Persian Empire that came after them, the Grecian Empire, then the Roman Empire. And then we go back and we look, we see there was the Spanish Empire, the British Empire. Now there's the American, we might put in quotes, Empire. But how many of these empires have lasted? They have all fallen. But God is still in control. Now, we want to look at the interpretation of the dream. And that is Daniel 4, verses 19 through 26. Daniel chapter 4, verses 19 through 26. It says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished, or astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their, in, had their habitation. Verse 22, It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. You remember the dream, and we'll stop there just for a moment. You remember the dream in Daniel chapter 2, the, the figure with the head of gold. The head of gold represented Nebuchadnezzar. And here in this dream, this tall tree under which everything dwelt and had its food was Nebuchadnezzar. So this represented Nebuchadnezzar as well. Now let's go to verse 23. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one come down, coming down from the heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field. And let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field, till seven times pass over him. All right, first of all, <clears throat> as we look here at verse 28, we see that Nebuchadnezzar, his kingdom, or he, it says, would be hewn down and destroyed. Yet, the stump of the roots would be left, even with a band of iron and brass. In other words, a band that would go around this stump to 
hold it together and to keep it from rotting and things such as that. And in the tender grass of the field and let it be wet with the dew of the heaven. But then it mentions let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. All right. Now Daniel is going to give the interpretation of the dream. Verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. So the decree has come from God that is going to happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 25. That they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Verse 26. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. In other words, the kingdom's not going to be destroyed. After that, thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. He goes, after you figured out that God rules, your kingdom will be given back to you. Verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Right there, Daniel is showing Nebuchadnezzar, there's some things that you need to do. There are things that you need to do. First of all, you need to understand that God rules in the kingdoms of men. You've got kings and presidents and things such as that, but God is the one that rules in these kingdoms of men. Now, verse 27, Daniel offers counsel to King Nebuchadnezzar. He tells him, break off thy sins by righteousness. <clears throat> you need to be living righteously. You need to be doing what God commands. And isn't that true of us today? We need to be living righteously. We need to be doing what God commands. And there are several things that we cannot do. And there are several things that we must do. Like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The big thing in our country today is the promotion of homosexual marriages and the allowing of transgender people to enter into the bathroom of their choice. We cannot have any fellowship with those unfruitful works of darkness. I know it was recently announced that the National Basketball Association has taken the all-star game out of North Carolina because they don't allow men and women to go into the bathroom that they want to go into. That's nothing but bullying. That's nothing but 
as Isaiah said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. We should have nothing at all to do with the National Basketball Association because if we do, we are fellowshipping the unfruitful works of darkness. And we need to understand how little use sports really is. Whenever we look at the sports figures, how many of us would want our children to grow up to be like any sports athlete at all? You go in and you look. Very, very, very few, if any, sports figures are worthy of following because how many of them truly follow Christ? You know, you'll see them, you know, I think of baseball players. They, they hit a single or a double or whatever or a home run and they get it there and then they stop in the base and they point toward heaven. Well, what they're really doing is showing, look how good I am. They're not giving God any credit. God doesn't care about whether somebody gets a single or a double. Have you ever noticed how many of those batters, whenever they strike out, point to heaven and go, congratulations to the pitcher for doing that. He did a great job. No, you don't see that. You don't see that in sports figures. Now let's do a little more explanation here of what is taking place. You know, there are a lot of other things that we need to do and to not do. But it mentions there in Daniel till seven times pass over him. There in verse 23 at the very end of the verse. What does it mean by seven times? Well, there are seven, there's, there's different things that it can mean. A time is one of the four seasons. Therefore, it could have been, some commentators say, one and three quarter years. Following a Persian mode of reckoning, seven times would have been six months. There are those that say a time is a year. Therefore, it was seven years. But the one that makes the most sense is that seven is a complete amount of time to accomplish what God requires to be done. And it is a period of time that cannot be determined. So you look at the number seven, it means perfection or completion in the Bible. And many times is the number seven used for that. And again, reading Daniel 4, 17, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. God rules in the kingdom of men. I do want to go to Romans chapter 13 at this time and read verse 1. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be or ordained of God. And as it said there in Daniel 4, 17, and God sets up the basest of men over them. 
An example of that is in John 19, verses 10 and 11. John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, Then saith Pilate, Pilate, of course, being the Roman curator there over Jerusalem and in that area. So here's Pilate who has been set up over this region. Then Pilate saith unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Then verse 11, Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. You know, Pilate, what Pilate was about to do was sin. Jesus didn't deny that, but those that delivered him, he said, had the greater sin. But Pilate said, I've got the power to, I've got the power to crucify you and the power to let you go. And Jesus said, you wouldn't have that power at all unless you were given it from above. That is an example of one of the basest of men being over the region there, and that being Pilate. And again, we must obey the laws of the land unless the laws of the land are against God's commands. In, verse, in Acts chapter 5 and in verse 27 down through verse 29. So when they brought them and them being the apostles and they being the chief priests and rulers there, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And that's what they had done. They had commanded them. They had put them in prison. God had let them loose. But they had put them in prison, told them, Do not speak in the name of Jesus. But anyway, verse 28 again, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. We must obey God. We cannot be obeying the laws of the land whenever the laws of the land go against the will of God. We cannot be having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness and such things as that. In Daniel chapter 4 now, verse 27, as we've already looked at a little bit, Daniel pleads with Nebuchadnezzar to repent because Daniel sees what's going to happen to him. And Daniel has a love for Nebuchadnezzar, and he does not want to see these things happen to him. We need to have a love for our fellow human being that we do not want to see the bad things happen for them, and we need to plead with them to repent so that those things do not happen to them. Again, verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness. And then he gives a few other things. And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Apparently Nebuchadnezzar did not show mercy to the poor. And then he says, if 
it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. In other words, you need to repent so that these things don't happen. You don't want them to happen. You need to repent. But he didn't. And God takes action against Nebuchadnezzar's pride to fulfill the warnings that God gave him. Nebuchadnezzar failed to repent. Daniel chapter 4 verses 28 and 29. It says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. He's walking there. Reminds us of the antediluvian world. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. It says there, The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. God gave a warning. They had a hundred and twenty years to get it right. Daniel, or God through Daniel, gave Nebuchadnezzar a warning. And the people of Noah's day did not heed God's warning and Nebuchadnezzar did not heed God's warning either. Just as that uh, woman symbolically mentioned there in Revelation chapter 20, or chapter 2, excuse me, verses 20 and 21. Revelation chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Here to the church in Thyatira, Jesus says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. God gives people an opportunity to repent. God always gives people an opportunity to repent. And it's up to us as to whether we take that opportunity or whether we just put it behind us and are not concerned with it, which is what we see here. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's pride shows forth in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30. Daniel 4, 30. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Well, we see his pride showing through there, don't we? Well, how about a little bit about Babylon here? Babylon was built many ages before Nebuchadnezzar was born, but he's boasting that he has built it just as Augustus Caesar boasted concerning Rome. And this is what he said, and I quote, I found it brick, but I left it marble, unquote. We see the pride there of Augustus Caesar. And Nebuchadnezzar was a builder, though. Through cuneiform inscriptions that have been found, Nebuchadnezzar relates how he renovated two temples of Marduk in Babylon and of Nebo and Borsippa. 
He declares how he restored 15 other temples in Babylon and completed the two great walls of the city, adding a large rampart or barricade. Then he rebuilt the palace of Nabopolassar and in only 15 days constructed a palace with which was connected the famous Hanging Gardens. Thousands of bricks have been found on the plain there at Babylon which have this inscription. I quote, Nebuchadnezzar, the son of Nabopolassar, unquote. And then curiously, though, all of the bricks have been found with the stamped face downwards. But Nebuchadnezzar's pride, look what I did. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. Well, then God fulfills the warning that was given in the dream. Daniel 4, 31 to 33 Daniel 4 31 to 33 while the word was in the king's mouth there fell a voice from heaven saying O King Nebuchadnezzar to thee it is spoken thy kingdom is departed from thee and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Verse 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. You see what happened here? God made sure that Nebuchadnezzar understood the crime for which his punishment was coming. God said, this is why this is going to happen. And isn't God's word filled with warnings for us that we need to be ready? We need to be prepared for the coming of Christ. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 42, it says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. We don't know when he's coming. There have been so many foolish men go through, try to go through the Bible and go through various things and say, oh, Christ is coming back now, or he's coming back then, or he's coming back over at these different dates, and how many of them have been right? None of them have. Because we don't know when he's coming back. The deal is, though, we know he's coming. And God has given us fair warning. Christ is coming back. When Christ comes back, this world is going to be destroyed. This universe will be gone. We will all be raised from the dead if we're not still living when Christ comes back. And then we will meet him in judgment. And we will receive, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. We're going to receive either heaven as a reward for obeying God or we're going to receive hell eternally as punishment for disobeying God. 
God has given us warning. And one of these days, Christ is coming back. And when he does, we better have lived our lives so that we will be pleasing to God because God has warned us and we can understand the punishment for the crimes, the sins which we have done. Over in Acts chapter 12, look at verses 20 to 23. Acts chapter 12, verses 20 to 23. It says there, another man filled with pride. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, desired peace, because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave shouts, saying, It is the voice of a god, and not of a man. Verse 23, And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms, and gave up the ghost. He died because of his foolish pride. Now back to Nebuchadnezzar. As we read through chapter 4, verses 31 to 33, we see that he was going to be driven mad. And he was to think that he was a wild beast. And he apparently was stricken with a form of a disease that is technically known as lyanthropy. I may have pronounced that word right. Capital L-Y-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-Y. And with that disease, the sufferer imagines himself to be changed into an animal and to a certain extent acts like that animal. Now, he may have had a form of the disease known as boanthropy because he thought himself to be an ox since he ate grass like an ox. But regardless, if it was those diseases or not, it was brought on by God. And God had warned him that that is what would happen. You see, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be more than a man. So God just justly made him less than a man. Made him think he was a beast. Now as we continue reading there in the book of Daniel, we'll see that God accepts humility. In Daniel 4, 34 to 37, he says, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Verse 36, 
At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar learned some things, did he not? When he finally lifted up his eyes to heaven, verse 34, he came back to where he was. In verse 35, we see that Nebuchadnezzar has humbled himself. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. So Nebuchadnezzar before was saying, Look, look, look what I have done by my might. Now Nebuchadnezzar is saying it wasn't him at all. He's not worth anything compared to God. And neither is any human being. But God did love us so much he sent his son to die for us. That shows that we are valuable. Nebuchadnezzar was valuable because God wanted him to be saved. And Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and he turned to worshiping God. That's what verse 37 is saying. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven all whose works are truth and his ways are judgment and those that walk in pride he's able to abase Nebuchadnezzar is saying you know I was doing that I walked in pride God brought me down but because God brought him down Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up by God there's an inscription in the East India Company's museum supposedly describes the period of Nebuchadnezzar's insanity. In the inscription, Nebuchadnezzar relates that during a questionable four years there, he ceased to lay out buildings or to furnish with victims Merodach's altar or to clear out the canals for irrigation. So there may be there may have described that time. But God gave Nebuchadnezzar a chance to learn that God is supreme. God could have destroyed Nebuchadnezzar, but he did not. One writer stated that we never rightly use our reason until we give glory to God and live to the glory of God. The eternal God is our only source of help, for in him we live and move and have our very being chapter 17 and Job realized that in Job chapter 42 verses 1 through 5 Job 42 verses 1 through 5 then Job answered the Lord and said I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought of thine can be withholden from thee who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge 
Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Verse 5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Nebuchadnezzar had seen some glorious things done by God. He had seen Daniel give him the dream and his interpretation there of the great image. He had seen God rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the burning, fiery furnace. But Nebuchadnezzar was still not convinced. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was. Now Nebuchadnezzar heaps praises upon God. When Nebuchadnezzar died in around 560 BC, some say he was still an idolater. But when we look at the statements that he made here concerning God, he may have been a faithful follower of God at the end of his life. In Daniel 4, we see God's action and God's attitude toward man's pride. God warns man that pride leads to a fall. God takes action to humble us when we get too big for our britches. God accepts those who humble themselves before him. How many lives have you seen change when personal tragedy strikes? How many proud people have humbled themselves before God when they come face to face with their own frailties? We need to understand that God is still in control. Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, Matthew 23, 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And God is the one who will do the exalting, just as he did in the times of Nebuchadnezzar. So this comes to the conclusion of our lesson this week. Next time, Lord willing, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 5, and that is Belshazzar's Night of Terror. Now, don't get Belshazzar mixed up with Belteshazzar, who is Daniel. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.